I'm David Hilgen. And I'm Renee Koa. And this is the Future of Risk podcast by Zurich North America. David, every December I say I cannot believe another year has gone by. But what's different in 2021 is we've completed our first full year of podcasts. We have had so many great guests who've shown us there's always something new to learn. I agree, Renee. And there's been so much to learn this year that we thought we should highlight some of the people we spoke with. For instance, uh, I spoke with Mike Whittakin a lot this year about how natural hazards can impact businesses. We covered the gamut from hurricanes to wildfires to flooding to convective storms and to winter storms. I'm hoping that in 2022, we don't have to speak about a zombie apocalypse. The risk to business property from natural hazards can be intense, but with all of these natural hazards, preparation is key. I'd like to highlight one quote uh, from our conversation about hurricanes, but really it's, it's great advice for all natural hazards. Now I want to kind of get into the meat of this. What should businesses, homeowners, communities uh, take away from all this increased activity? What should they be doing now to prepare for the coming year and beyond? Absolutely. Annually, businesses should um, reassess their exposure to natural hazard events. Uh, This can be done through a concise or a complex, what's known as a hazard vulnerability analysis or an HVA. Um, This includes reviewing, revising preparedness plans, having mitigation contracts in place for repairs and critical supplies such as food and water, and if they need their employees at a specific location following an event, proper credentialing uh, is needed to pass beyond any checkpoints that get established um, during the disaster event. Communities must have a resilience plan, and it should also be part of what is known as their comprehensive plan for development. The comprehensive plan uh, should include adoption of the latest model building and fire codes on a more frequent basis. We often see communities lag behind in adoption of model building codes up to the current code set. And there's been a lot of uh, strides made in uh, both uh, wind um, uh, design and also from flooding and earthquake. You know, that idea of being prepared for the unknown reminds me of our podcast with Andy Zoller, head of international programs. When Andy shared his top trends for global insurance, he really opened my eyes about this new world of global risk and just how many businesses it impacts. You know, it may may sound kind of 2001, but anybody that has a internet address has the potential for some form of international risk. We see mid-sized companies here at Zurich that have overseas suppliers. It could be something as simple as somebody taking a business trip for a seminar. You know, a lot of people, when they think about international, they think, you know, you have to have a foreign subsidiary or you need to own some property, but that's not the only qualifier for an international risk. We also hosted quite a few podcasts that included conversations about diversity and inclusion in the workplace. This is something a lot of organizations have been prioritizing for years, and it's been great to see it gain so much urgency since 2020. And still, businesses have historically had difficulty understanding whether they were making progress or setting the proper diversity and inclusion goals. I had a great conversation with Julia Oldmans, 
Assistant Vice President of Employment Law at Zurich about the new diversity and inclusion standards from the International Organization for Standardization, which is fortunately better known as ISO. They've established a DNI framework for companies of all sizes. And Julia talked about this, but what I also liked was that she shared some fundamental approaches for DNI as it applies to a company's leadership. I think it's really important to establish those responsibilities and accountability. So even if an organization does not have a dedicated diversity and inclusion professional, it's really important to identify an individual who will monitor the progress, who will establish measurements, who will report to the leadership of the company how things are going. And research shows that diversity and inclusion efforts are more successful when the business leadership takes ownership. So if all the initiatives around DNI are driven by your HR department, the research shows that DNI work is less likely to be successful. You are less likely to really see progress. You're less likely to see um, the outcomes that you really intend. But if your senior leadership of the company, including the leaders of the business units and the profit centers. That's so important. If they really understand the role that they play in moving DNI forward, then real change can happen in the organization. You know, Renee, something that struck me was that this year you spoke to two people who testified before Congress about sustainability and climate change. One of those people was David Edsey, climate director, technical underwriting at Zurich North America, who spoke about why businesses should be concerned about climate change. Because climate change, you know, it, it poses a tremendous risk to our economy. The global average temperature has already risen 1.1 degree Celsius, and, and that's across the whole world. So over land, it's risen about 1.5 degrees Celsius. And as a result of just that 1.1 degree Celsius, increase over pre-industrial times. We're already seeing droughts across much of the Western United States, which is bringing you know, increased wildfires and, and potential water shortages. You know, Looking at Lake Mead, which supplies water to about 20 million people in the Southwestern United States, that, that lake is at historically low levels. You know, We're seeing inland storms, which are bringing more heavy rain leading to flooding. We've seen that in Tennessee and Central Europe and other parts of the globe. We're seeing these new freaky weather disturbances. This atmospheric river, which on the San Francisco Bay Area in October, it dropped a half a foot of rain and, and brought 50 mile an hour wind gusts. Um, we're seeing a heat dome, which settled over the Seattle and Portland area in, in June, that brought 100 plus temperatures for days. And we're seeing sea level rise. So, so all of these these climate shocks are having a, a devastating effect, um, and will continue to do so on our on our economy. Um, you know, just to add to this, I mean, the uh, the the World Economic Forum recently issued a report, and it concluded that half of the world's total GDP is moderately or highly dependent on nature and its services and so is exposed to risks from nature loss. So half of our economy is vulnerable 
to the effects of climate change. Not, not only immediate weather shocks, but the chronic results of climate change, me meaning you know drought and water supply depletion, biodiversity loss, ecosystems collapse. So our economy is is really vulnerable to the effects of climate change, and that's why you know businesses are concerned. David Edsey also talked about the big things that businesses and governments could do to help address climate change. In addition to large systemic changes, businesses can do a lot themselves. This reminded me of the conversation I had in April with Luke Faribault, general manager of the TPC Louisiana Golf Course which is host of the Zurich Classic. It was fascinating to hear about everything they've done regarding sustainability. One of the things Luke mentioned was being part of the Audubon Cooperative Sanctuary Program. So yeah, we're definitely a proud uh, uh, facility and being a part of the Auburn and Cooperative Sanctuary Program. Um, actually Audubon, Mr. Audubon, he was a uh, famous, um, I guess you'd say documentary of the bird species and is famous for draw pictures and drawings of birds in the area and around as he was doing his travels. Uh, there is no question our zoo here is called the Audubon Zoo uh, here in local New Orleans. Uh, but no, we are no question we're very focused on being good stewards of the game, uh, protecting the environment, the wildlife, the natural areas that are in around the golf course um, and that we're constantly working to maintain those area areas to to minimize any potential harmful impacts uh, that our operations uh, could have to those areas. Uh, you need to recertify every couple years. Um, just it's just a good part of the process, but no question. Um, you know, you want to make sure that you're, you're maintaining all the native areas. Uh, you're making sure that there's uh, invasive vegetation doesn't get into those areas uh, and you're also trying to plant any local vegetation that could thrive in those areas. We try to use only approved fertilizers and chemicals uh, that support the environment and uh, work with you know water quality on the property. Uh, we do our best to repurpose any waste, conserve energy uh, and water uses on property. Um, additionally, our superintendent, Brandon Reese, is, sits on the board of directors for the Louisiana-Mississippi Golf Course Superintendents Association. Uh, he is a past president of that association, and that association does spearhead environmental best management practices uh, within the state of Louisiana. Uh, they work with representatives from Mississippi and Louisiana um, also professors from LSU and Mississippi State to develop these best management practices for golf courses and have been published nationally uh, with the Golf Course Superintendents Association of America. And currently that association is trying to adapt with all 50 states a best management guidelines and that was done at the end of 2020 and it's just basically being good stewards of the game being good stewards of the environment and making sure that we're doing everything possible to limit our, our impact on the, the native areas. David, it's terrific what the golf course has done. And speaking of the Zurich Classic in golf, I had so much fun talking to Zurich's golf ambassadors about golf and business. 
They shared some really insightful comments that make good mantras for all of us as we start a new year. Here's Justin Rose talking about the importance of taking risks and the fringe benefits of making mistakes. Yeah, I mean, there's so many wonderful cliches about, you know, making mistakes, you know, it's only a mistake if you fail to learn from it or there's no failure, there's any feedback. And, you know, these are obviously great lessons and um, they're ones that I try to teach my 12-year-old and my 9-year-old, you know. So you want people to, to sort of have the freedom to go out there and push the boundary. Um, you know, I often talk about balance. You know, people always talk about balance in life, and, but nothing really exciting happens if you're balanced. It's all about kind of learning to counterbalance. You know, you kind of have to push towards the edge to, to see what you're capable of. And then once you've kind of maybe gone a little bit too far, then you kind of come back to center to rebalance. Therefore, you know, in terms of making mistakes, I think you only really make mistakes once you start pushing yourself. If you only ever totally operate within your comfort zone, that's great. You're going to be a safe pair of hands, but are you going to be your best? So, um, you know, I, that's, that's where I would encourage people to make mistakes is because honestly, that's where the learning is. and uh, that's how you kind of get feedback really on, on, on what you need to do to improve. And I loved Billy Horschel talking not only about perseverance, but also about having faith. He had just come off a victory at the Dell Technologies Match Play Tournament in March. That championship came after he had come so close to winning in four earlier tournaments. Point, I think uh, in business and sport and life really, you know, you can do so many things right and do so many things well and not always see the, the reward of the hard work that you put in. Um, and sometimes it can be easy to get down on yourself, um, but you have to push through those moments. You have to understand that you got to have that positive mentality. You got to have that, uh, that mindset that there is always something better on the other side. You just got to keep pushing through. There's going to be something there waiting for you. Wow, that's a great quote. And that's also a great way to bring this podcast to a close. I agree. We're on break until next year. Let us know what your highlights of this year were or what new mantras you're taking into 2022. I'm David Hilgen. I'm Renee Koa. On behalf of everyone at Zurich, we wish you safe holidays and a happy new year.